Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of FinTV. Uh, today, I'm joined by Marissa Skuman, who is the Vice President, Integrated Business Planning, Supply Chain and Innovation Planning, Africa, uh, Global Supply at Diageo. Marissa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on FinTV. Thank you, Maria. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit uh, about your journey so far? Okay, so, um, so I've been um, in supply chain for uh, just over 16 years now. I've been uh, quite a few different kind of areas end-to-end, um, -end, uh, spending some time um, in South Africa itself, as you can hear, I'm South African, um, but then also coming into global roles um, in Edinburgh and Hungary, where I'm based today. I've been, um, for the last kind of couple of years, spending time in commercial and marketing, which is uh, really looking after technical innovation, quality management, um, all those kind of areas that I started my career to get a good business sense end-to-end. And then in the last 10 years, I've sort of fell into planning and I've been uh, managing planning and transformation um, of actual planning organizations uh, for the last 10 years, setting up organizations, taking them from a low base maturity to a higher base maturity to unlock value for organizations. Let me ask you a question. Let me start off in the same way I kind of start off with most of my interviews. You've been in the industry some time. How do you think the the I don't know, the function has evolved since you got started? Uh, planning itself or supply chain? Both, both, I guess, you know, have you seen a change and, and how has it changed? I think I've seen quite a significant change since, since the first day that I sort of joined many years ago in supply chain to today, where supply chain has really become a much bigger player um, in an organization as a competitive advantage around how does it actually, you know, drive a strategic uh, outlook to the organization versus this executional outlook that supply chain sometimes had in the past. Uh, I believe, in my view, uh, supply chain is uh, quite critical to, in, to be integrated into the business um, strategy, uh, working with the business leaders hand-to-hand -to, -hand to drive a result from a cost base, but also from a growth perspective. Um, so that's what I've seen a lot. It's been very siloed in the past, where it was very much, you know, we can hand something over the wall and you need to execute it, where now it's much more integrated with each other. A lot of collaboration, senior leaders sitting on senior execs with, the, you know, the, the strategy of the organization. Um, so that's been a significant shift. I also think it's become a lot more um, data centric. You know, in the past, mm -hmm. it's been very much manual, a lot of, you know, back of a, you know, trying to calculate something from no assumptions to a much more assumption driven data centric um, decision making, where supply chain is really coming to its core and to its actual value by bringing that information, guiding decision making, making the change around what's the right trade off to make for an exec or for a GM when he has to run his organization. So that's really been a significant shift of being executional, bringing no value insights and bringing insights now with the data we have available. And how do you speed that up and allow for the right cost and you know, strategy decisions to be made across the organization? 
So I guess that's that's been driven by uh, changes in consumer behavior as well, and you know the the need for better demand planning, that kind of thing. Is that what do you think the drivers might be? Yeah, I think what's happened nowadays is it's been quite um, stat. Well, in the past, it's been quite static. You have your supply chain model, and you are building that from you know you set set your strategy for your organization, and that's what you have. But as we have got changes, and especially now with COVID coming through. A supply chain has to be much more agile and responsive to the actual change in either trend or customer behavior or channel that you want to go after. So it becomes so much more critical for the supply chain organization to be linked into the integrated business planning or the strategy planning for a, for a business so that you can actually leverage and be fast on capitalizing those opportunities. Uh, it's not as, you, you know, CapEx investment, speed to market with innovation, all those things has to have a very different way of looking at it versus the past where, you know, it takes me nine months or it takes me so many months to do something. So that's where I think what we see and what I see, it becomes quite a good partnership with the actual, you know, the rest of the organization, both globally, regionally or country-based. Um, and it's decisions that made collectively for the future uh, versus what we want to capitalize on. And do you think that the, um you know, we've talked about the role being more integrated into strategic, you know, business decision making. Do you think that the traits, characteristics needed for a supply chain leader of tomorrow are different to what they used to be? And, and how much are they going to change over time? Um, I would say yes. I, um, I, I, think, I think it differs from company to company, depending on how they've grown their supply chain leaders in their businesses. Uh, what I do believe is that uh, nowadays, there is no more room for being siloed or being functional to your own area and driving your own KPIs and not looking at end-to-end -end KPIs or performance metric metrics for an organization. I believe that it needs to be someone that is very, um, it has a business mindset end-to-end -end versus just a supply chain mindset because there's a different uh, motivation in a commercial organization than in a marketing organization than the cost focus that you sometimes have in supply chain. Uh, I also believe there need to be more, uh, it needs to be, it is shifting into someone that is pragmatic, that is able to translate information effectively to business um, and is able to make choices that's not the norm. So where your old assumptions, you know, that was in there before where you assumed this is how a process works, that's shifting a lot lately. Um, and, a and the new supply chain leader needs to be able to adapt to that quite fast so that they can be in front of it and be almost one step ahead uh, versus, you know, being reactive to what they are faced with on a daily basis. You know, other people that I've interviewed have talked about how previously uh, supply chain was pretty much always seen as a cost center driven by financial metrics uh, and perhaps maybe that kind of perpetuated the siloed mentality. Uh, you know, I guess going on to what you were just saying, with a supply chain leader more at the table, sitting at the table with regards to strategy and business, do you think that therefore they have to be, the supply chain leaders have to be much more business centric? You know, just, I'm kind of repeating what you said in terms of having that end-to-end -end visibility. Mm -hmm. Does that come with different traits, do you, you know, besides being pragmatic? I think so. I think it becomes uh, it comes with someone who is able to uh, take the big picture, think about the big picture. Someone who is able to lead uh, with a much different kind of lens there, and actually able to 
explain their area in a very different way because they have to be able to talk a business language versus a supply language that they may be used to in the past to translate their information and be part of the decision making process. Um, it brings a leader who is able to train uh, uh, people or you know, their organization in being uh, something different, asking different questions, being able to open the um, thinking around not this kind of black and white process that you need to follow, but being a bit more open. Um, and I think it also brings someone who's really truly interested in strategy, someone who is really interested in the focus of the future, you know, being um, a very sustainable mindset, you know, how do you build something sustainable with working with the rest of the organization? You know, I, I like what you just said there. A lot of people, I think you and I talked about this, a lot of people have always assumed that digital transformation and the opportunities that uh, are going to come with new business models are based around technology, based around, uh, you know, really, you know, exciting new technology. But you talk about uh, the mindset. How important is culture in uh, in a business of the future? I think critical. So for me, um, especially where I'm doing, you know, I we are moving all of us as organizations into a much more data hungry, data busy. You know, with COVID, mm -hmm. you have so much more data points to work with that you get. You know, you have to be very flexible and, and agile with it. And uh, what I see is that an organization has to be able to trust and, you know, trust that kind of way of thinking. So as we move into more digital machine learning, automation, there's a lot less reliance on is that number right versus what does that number mean? And that cultural the shift that you require is that you need people that can translate or interpret that information for business users versus just coming up with the data and saying, here you are, you know, this is what it's saying. So the cultural shift required is a, is a true trust, you know, trust um, in the information, trust that the systems are providing the right, you know, the validation of what you want to see, and then actually having an organization that can understand it and interpret it and create insights from it versus just looking at the data um, and not reacting to it. Do you think, I mean, you've touched a little bit about uh, on COVID, obviously we're living through uh, unprecedented times and that's that's a cliche that's probably getting tired and old but it, we're gonna keep saying it for a while um, do you do you think that this pandemic will offer certain opportunities for businesses to shift to a more that kind of mindset that you're talking about yeah yeah truly um, I th I'm very passionate about it I think as much as COVID has been one of the most challenging times that all of us has been gone through it's also one of the most best learning opportunities we uh, believe, or I believe, and I can already see it, you know, you emerge stronger as an organization with a very different kind of mindset around how you approach things. We, uh, I see in my area that I work specifically that the data, inform the information I have available has made critical impact on the decisions we've made. So actually being there, being in front of the game, being available, being able to analyze and, and and create insight from what you see fast is actually what allows you to capitalize on the opportunity to grow, you know, choose the right decision and, you know, uh, go for new opportunities or market share and things like that. So we see that the, as much as you would think in the past that processes and data, you know, what can it mean? Because, you know, you've got new data points, it's all shifting. 
the most effective places where we are is where the processes are so stable and the processes are so effective that it's bringing the right information into the conversation. It's bringing the right insights to be, and that allows you to be agile and move fast um, through the things that you need to choose. So it's for us definitely very big focus area and it's becoming much more important to make sure that that's fast. You know, if it's manual, it takes too long to gather all this information to be able to react and be responsive. So it's becoming more and more important to have a kind of touch of a button information versus actually having to gather how many spreadsheets and trying to um, put that all into one. You know, one of the people or a lot of the people that I speak with tell me that one of the opportunities that's coming out of, uh, again, this, this terrible situation we're in is the possibility of really investing into digital transformation uh, as a business. Um, are there any kind of technologies out there that excite you that you think could be game changing for businesses? There's so many, you know. I know. I know. Nowadays, the challenge is choosing the right one uh, yeah. because there's so many options that you have available out there. Uh, what I find um, quite, in, uh, quite uh, passionate about um, is finding something that is able to, be, to help you with scenario modeling and end to end modeling. Um, we really, especially now, more than ever, scenario modeling and um, being able to be in front of kind of what could happen is critical. And a lot of the tools and solutions we have today doesn't allow us to do that in, in an effective way. So we look off, we, you know, as a, for me, I don't know if I'm going to name a specific company. Um, no. But yeah, but actually for us, we believe that scenario modeling tools that we get from either SAS or you get from kind of different solutions like Connexus and things like yeah. that is quite critical. Um, and when and also we believe that then you need to have something integrated into end at the back end to be able to see some you know information. The biggest enabler though for us is the or for me, which I see across the in my view, um, is the data like or you know the tools we have to actually create global databases that is mm -hmm. critical to be able to run these tools. So for us, um, for, it's, it's quite it's important to have that available. Yeah, and 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 how how do you think that the uh, challenges? I mean, what do you think are the challenges right now with regards to all that choice? You know, like you said, one of the biggest challenges is choosing all that technology that's out there. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think there's a lot of hype? Do you think there's a lot of confusion? And how does one get through that? I, I think um, what, what, I, what I would say is for me, the important is to, to have the right process supported by the right technology. Hmm. And the quick key decision an organization needs to make is whether they want to have fit for purpose tools for the specific process steps that you have versus an actual end-to-end -end solution that allows you to get almost everything in one place so that you can have one area to go for. So I think that is the kind of critical decision that needs to be made as whether for, as, as a first choice when you go into this route, it's like, what do you want the perfect scenario modeling tool, but it's a different tool than what you do supply chain planning with and a different tool that you do inventory management with. So that's something that is, is important. I do believe there's a lot of choice out there. So there is actually quite an importance to take the time to test, validate, make sure that you actually spend enough time with that supplier or solution provider to ensure that it's the right fit for your business. I don't think there's a one fit for everyone. I think every organization is different. 
and it's the choice they make around expertise in a certain functional area versus the actual end-to-end -end benefit you get when you look at one system across the organization. Let's talk about scenario planning or modeling as well as demand sensing. Um, how important is it in an unpredictable world, especially now, to implement this kind of technology? That, that's question one. And question two is, why aren't enough companies doing it? So question one uh, around scenario planning, I think it's uh, um, one of the most critical things right now. We, we, we don't know whether there's a second wave coming. You don't know how long it will last before economies are going to recover. Uh, so all of those factors need to be taken in consideration when you do planning right now. And uh, for us, for me, it's quite critical to ensure it's not always as easy to do that with systems because your history from the past is gone. Uh, and you need to really have uh, new assumptions or new methodologies that you're looking through that. Um, so, for, so for me, that's a critical piece around scenario planning because actually, do I need to source local or do I need to source um, imports when this global supply chain is on lockdown? So all those kind of things we are looking at, uh, looking into from a scenario planning perspective. I believe the reason why it's challenging to implement is because of those changes. You know, it is not something that is a that is a standard you know it's something that is needs thinking and, and it needs a problem statement at the front and then a solution at the end and it's having an understanding about how do you sh shape that problem statement and how do you teach a system to be able to answer that problem statement which is a, what's just a more challenging thing because the amount of data you need today may be different to what you need tomorrow and how fast can your system or your solution pick up that data point to allow you to see that. I can say on my experience in the last couple of months, you get more and more and more learning as we go past. The, you know, we, uh, every week or every day, you know, you're adding more information into the scenario and you're sort of just adjusting quite fast. And I think the trust, whether the systems are able to adjust to that quite fast enough, is probably something that needs to be worked on. And hence why there's sometimes a reluctance on that scenario planning. But would it have been easier if we have tools to do that for sure and faster as well? Because, you know, it can be quite manual. Yeah, I, I bet. I mean, uh, one of the questions I got asked once was, what does the uh, demand planner or the, you know, the planner of the future look like if there's so much technology out there? Is there a need for someone in that role? You know, the, what, what, what's, what's your take on that? So this is my personal opinion of how I see it because I've been in this space for a very long time. I believe that the planner of the future um, is two different kind of individuals. They, uh, we define planners or I define planners as both as someone who can interpret the information, so the more analytical planner, but then you also have the person who leads SNOP or IBP, which is the different kind of individual. Um, uh, my view is that in the future there will be planners who become translators or interpreters of data. People who are going to be advising decision making across the organization end to end. Not just in the supply chain space, but also in the business space where we look after return on investment, we look after um, M&E, you know, measurement evaluation, um, and what kind of risk can come up in the future. The demand planner of the future will have a will have to understand data and, in, and create insight from the data or at least get a first pass on insight and be able to change the way that they influence the tech or the business on what to do. 
So I can't just in the, where I've been able to see in the demand plan, now I need to be able to say why that's there, what's changing, what's the risk and opportunities coming up, and really being able to be part of that business conversation. We see, for me, there's two different planners. So there's a planner who can do that, right? Bring the information or the new demand plan or the new scenario plan. But then there's a RDP lead or a SNOP lead that is actually able to be a business leader, uh, very much linking into what we discussed previously about the supply chain leaders. In, in my view, uh, a successful organization has a very strong integrated business planning lead that is able to take this information from the demand planners and from all the insights they create and translate that into the SNFP cycle and being able to guide decision making step by step all the way through from portfolio, some optimization, you know, commercial strategy and channels and all the way through to what's my supply chain strategy and then ultimate P&L outcome. So we, so there's for me, there's sort of two different individuals. So, someone so someone's a demand plan and someone who spells a demand plan in a way. Well, that, that's what I was just going to say. So someone who's sort of the translator of the data of the information that's coming through and someone yes. who probably speaks more of the business yes. case uh, yes. and, and interprets that and, and sees the end yes. to end. So, so and, I see uh, a lot of the, the demand planning space becoming slightly smaller. Yeah, yeah, more systems, more analytics, with a smaller space of people actually managing that, and a much more amplification of the kind of skill you require in an IDP lead who's able to mm -hmm. be able to business uh, have a business sense, uh, which is very different to what we have today. You know, so we haven't trained the planners to be this. So there needs to be a quite big capability program globally to support the planners to move to this new space that what is going to be required from them. That's, that's sounds like a, there's an opportunity there, you know, a very big opportunity there for the demand planners of the future to support the technology that's out there. Um, I guess that leads me to my next question in terms of attracting talent into the industry. You know, I've always maintained that supply chains had a bit of an image issue, you know, in, in terms of attracting really exciting people into the space. I think, my humble opinion, that we're doing some very exciting things in supply chain right now. We are, I mean, you could even argue that a good supply chain can make or break a business of the future. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, a lot of the younger generations, the digital natives, they're, they're, they want to work for startups. And so how does one communicate all the potential opportunities that you've just been talking about to new people uh, to try to get them into the industry? So, um, it's, like you said, it's an ever-evolving um, ever challenge, uh, especially in the space of demand planning where, you know, it, it's hard to, there, there's no degree, right, at university. There's a lot of courses, but it's not something that's a natural choice for anyone. Um, and what we've done, or what I uh, do, is there's a way of explaining the impact whether a supply chain has on an organization. It's a way of explaining the kind of exciting decisions that you make when you are part of an organization. How do you decide a portfolio rationalization with the you know, marketing team? And where we've been able to pull quite um, cross-functional people, so pulling people from finance or from business analytics, the way we, or why, the way I um, recruit people into my team, it's focused on what's the impact they can have and what is the kind of decisions that they're driving and how do they actually impact the PL of an organization with what they bring to the table. And also, I think there's no better space in the world, I believe, than the planning 
to learn an organization into end. You get to touch all the way from commercial, from finance, from, from you know, uh, marketing, innovation, everything into end. And in that way, it's quite an exciting space for a new joiner into business to understand and to learn what it's all about and decide where they want to go in the future. So that's also for me a way of convincing people to move into planning. Um, it's also become uh, over time, you know, years ago, planners were just there, you know, and I don't know if we always saw the value of them. I think nowadays we are much more critical around if it doesn't work at the start, it will, you know, the rest of the chain really isn't effective and it's cost, quite costly. And because that importance of planning and all of these kind of skills has come up um, in the organizations, uh, that has sh definitely shifted, you know, the interest in the space um, for me personally. So I, I really like how you said that, how you need to articulate the impact that this person or people are going to have on the PL, on the business, on supply chain, on visibility, on everything. That's a, that's a very, um, very good bit of advice there, I think, to, to be able to explain that. It also ties into, you know, millennials really want to feel like they've got an yeah. impact, you know, on yeah. the world, on, on, on the things that they're doing. Um, what about once you get talent into the business, how do you manage talent to keep them involved in, uh, in the same spirit of what you just described? Uh, having an impact on the business? So I'm quite passionate about talent management. Uh, I've got a, I've got a big team uh, with their different degrees of, of skill. Uh, what we do is we have quite um, a structured program. So when someone joins the organization, there's sort of a 90-day induction plan that I've developed uh, with my leadership team which takes the person all the way through this end-to-end -end conversation. It's so it takes them all the way through understanding Diageo or just understanding their business um, in a way that they can add value. Now, we don't become perfect in three months' time, but it does give them a good foundation. Uh, I do, the approach I take with the individuals is that we actually need to make sure that we understand their strength and development areas quite fast. And we have tailored programs for each one of them. But what, with a global organization like Diageo, it's quite critical for people to understand the size of the business that they are in. So we spend a lot of time engaging with different functions, making sure that there's an understanding that I'm not just in planning, I'm actually in a function that's much, an organization that's much bigger. So we focus on that kind of, you know, foundational setup for a person. However, where I look at my, for example, my leadership team, which has to have this new traits of a supply chain leader, you know, they need to be able to be agile, responsive, let go of their own old assumptions. I have a very tailored pr uh, program with them where I work with them around what is expected of you as a future leader and how do you actually become an agile, responsive and translate your information. So I spend a lot of time um, teaching interpretation of assumptions, um, uh, insights, and how do you actually present that back to your organization? So a lot of significant focus is on leadership development. So I have a tailored program with an external party that I focus on that. Um, how do you become a leader of the future? And then I've got a piece around how do you drive insights? How do you become a translator of that information so that you can actually uh, provide that through to the team? We also focus on external accreditation where possible. So we believe that IBF um, and APICS is quite important for people to have a good foundation. Most of the time we try and get people who already have that when we recruit, 
But if I haven't, we also focus on how do we help them and how do we actually support that uh, piece of work that helps them to get that end-to-end -end thinking. I, I like that. I like the, the fact that you're, you're really walking them through their impact over a large organization, yeah. you know, and, 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 and how they belong to something that is much bigger than just their silo. I mean, that's probably one of the ways to eliminate silos within, within a business. Yeah. Let, let's go back to uh, where we are with COVID right now. So we talked about the possibilities of uh, the opportunities that could come out of this. Again, not to minimize the, you know, the, 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 or trivialize the, the, the seriousness of what's going on. Do you think that there are other opportunities, like perhaps maybe developing more sustainable business models, uh, having a possibility to maybe rewrite how we look at end-to-end -end visibility? What do you think about that? Totally. So uh, I think one of the biggest learnings and also the biggest wins that they've all businesses should get from the COVID situation is number one, that end-to-end -end visibility. Uh, in this fast-paced environment that we are now, where we have to make decisions daily because of new regulations, either lifting or coming back, you know, it is quite critical to have end-to-end -end visibility of that. You know, how do you arm up your organization to, at a daily basis, know what's going on, all the way from somewhere in Africa to where you sit in Edinburgh as the global supply headquarters. So that end-to-end -end visibility is critical and it's actually armed, you know, where people have actually capitalized on it, um, we, it's really benefiting the organization. Uh, I, also, one thing that's got a big change that I think will come through in the future is a very different way of risk management. You know, risk management in the past was, you know, I'm managing maybe a plant breaks down or fire, you know, things like that. Where now you're looking at global supply chains shutting down across the, the world that's impacting your ability to supply. So the local sourcing versus the you know imported sourcing in your different. So the whole supply network as a whole, I think, is going to shift globally as we go through the next couple of years. Where the reliance on China or Asia in the past has been quite high, where maybe that is not as you know would shift in the future to more local sourcing. Um, and also just being much more reactive to having, you know, deal sourcing or, you know, different kind of opportunities. Uh, I also believe that no better time like COVID to make you completely focused on what the core business. What yeah. is the core business? What is the core business that gives you uh, your profitability? And how do you actually capitalize on why by focusing on the core business, removing complexity of your, out of your supply chain? simplifying what you're doing and then able to capitalize on new opportunities and trends and innovations that needs to come through to allow you to grow. So all of those things spell the possibility of uh, redesigning a supply chain that's perhaps more resilient, that mm. is, uh, can handle risk in a, in a much better way. Uh, any advice for uh, supply chain leaders today? I always like to leave this, you know, my, my FinTV episodes with any advice that you'd have for People that are in the thick of it right now, you know? Uh, I would say my biggest advice is to be open-minded and be proactive. So I, we, we prove our value over and over by being proactive and being in the front of it, you know. Uh, be inquisitive, be curious, try and understand what's going on around you, not just in your area. Understand the economy, understand the global shifts that's happening across the world, and try and relate that into what's possible for your supply chain. 
uh, be there for your team because the shift for your for them is as much as it is for you and how do you take them on this journey by showing them the positive sides of what can come you know and emerging stronger as an organization um, than what you've gone into COVID um, and also I would say uh, linked into our first conversation is really try and understand the strategy of the business what is the new channels that's emerging what is a new customer going to look like and or consumer and and thinking ahead of what that means to your supply chain and what you can actually leverage how do you have trade-off decisions that's not just supply chain related but helps the business thrive and survive you know throughout this period as we go uh, that's brilliant that's exactly the kind of advice i think that we were looking for Marissa, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of FinTV. We've enjoyed having you here. Uh, and I'm sure we'll see you again at another episode or, uh, uh, you know, in some of our events. So, Marissa, thank you so much. For those of you watching FinTV, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.